This week, we're talking about high electricity bills and what you can do about them. This show is great for customers who do not have solar. Yeah, let's say you don't want to put in solar. You just, you're not inclined to it. You live in the woods. We're going to help you figure out how to cut those costs. And also, it's good for solar customers who are still looking at saving even more money. And it's good news now because if your bill is negative, you actually get reimbursed from your utility. All right. When I think back over 20 years, there's two reasons why people have high electric bills. Now, the first, the utilities are pretty much always raising electric rates. So even if you don't change your habits, you're going to find that your electric bill keeps going up. Um, depending on your location around the country, those rate increases can average 3 to 7% a year. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. There's even cases where it goes down. But the general trend, you just look at it over 20 years, it's up, 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 up. Now, the second reason why people's electric bills go up is that people are using more and more electricity in their homes. We have more appliances. We have electric vehicles. We're using more air conditioning because it's getting hotter. We have heat pumps instead of gas furnaces. We have all these vampire loads. I mean, you know, even silly things like cell phones. I mean, everything we're doing is electric now. So you're going to just use more electricity. So that's a double whammy. Electricity is getting more and more expensive and we're using more of that electricity. So it's no surprise that your electric bills keep going up. Now, I kind of look through some numbers here. The average electricity consumption in the U.S. in single-family homes is 900 kilowatt hours per month. The average electricity costs around the country are 13.5 cents a kilowatt hour. Now, there's huge variations. Depends on the location, depends on climate, depends on the cost of living. You know, Hawaii, according to this research, the average electricity cost is 33 cents. You know, people pretty much always say Hawaii is most expensive. I was looking at the data for California in this report. They say the California average electric rate is 20 cents a kilowatt hour. Now, I kind of question these averages because when I look at the PG&E's current electric rates, the lowest rate here is 20 cents a kilowatt hour. That's for baseline electricity. And the way PG&E is defining baseline, it's about 300 kilowatt hours per month, about 10 kilowatt hours per day. So that 300 kilowatt hours a month is one third of the average usage of 900 kilowatt hours per month in the country. So then you kind of look at what PG&E's rates do from there. Tier two, if you use up to 400% of baseline electricity, that's about 1,200 kilowatt hours, is 27 cents a kilowatt hour. And they basically, PG&E was saying, we're reducing our rates just to two tiers, plus a super user tier, but you know, that's tier three. Tier three is 40 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, so for many California customers, you can easily have electric bills that are over $250 a month and not even be in the top tier. That's about the threshold where you go from tier two to tier three, the super user tier. Once you're in that top rate tier over about 1,200 kilowatt hours a month, you're paying 40 cents a kilowatt hour for every kilowatt hour you use. So if you're in that top rate tier, and you have an electric vehicle, and you plug that car in during, you know, when you're in the peak rate, you're going to get clobbered. Or if you're running your swimming pool and you want to, you know, run that even more, you're going to get clobbered. Now, obviously, if you have an electric vehicle, you should be on the EV rate, and that's going to help. Just charge at night. But if you accidentally charge during the day, boom, you're charging it over 40 cents a kilowatt hour. We have many, many customers 
with electric bills over $500 a month. And the depressing thing for the customers is these bills are going to continue to rise. And what's happening on the residential side is also happening on the commercial side. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So there's also sneaky ways that utilities increase their electric rates. I mean, heck, they make their money by selling electricity. So they're always trying to increase the electricity charges that's measured on a per kilowatt hour. But what they also do is they sometimes increase the fixed charges. Heck, I remember 20 years ago, there was a $2 per month fixed charge on my electric bill. So even if I was gone, turned everything off, I'd still get paid $2 a month. Now that fixed charge is over $10 a month. They also changed the rate tiers. We used to have five rate tiers, 100% of baseline, 120% of baseline, 200, 300. Now there's only two tiers plus the super user tier. So it's really three tiers. I think that super user tier is insulting to everybody who has air conditioning in a swimming pool because they're super users. So what they're doing is they're also moving that baseline down so that more and more people are in the highest tiers. And then another thing that they're doing is they're changing the time of use periods. It used to be that if you used a lot of electricity between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., that was the peak time, that's when electricity was the highest. Heck, I remember it was 26 cents a kilowatt hour in the good old days. Now they've moved that peak period to 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's in the afternoon and evening. Solar's not going to work so well then. And those those rates at that time could be over 40 cents a kilowatt hour. So what are you going to do? Well, what you can do, and that's where battery storage systems really, really start to save money, is you're able to avoid those really high charges in the afternoon. So let's look at a couple of scenarios. First, let's look at a customer who doesn't have solar whose bill's really high. Now, when you get your electric bill, many utilities provide nice graphs in their bills showing your monthly kilowatt hour usage and dollar cost. Let's just look at the kilowatt hour usage because that's easier to compare. See where the peaks and valleys are. If you use a lot of air conditioning or have a swimming pool, you're going to see the bills in the summer are usually highest. If you go on vacation in the summer, the bills should be really low, especially if you remember to turn off your pool and your air conditioning. Now, if you don't have air conditioning or you're in a colder climate, your bills in the winter are typically going to be highest. That's because your heating system's running and you're using more lighting. Now, Sometimes, I've seen this happen, there's a peak when the kids are home from school in the summer, and there may be, as I mentioned, a, a valley in that graph when you're on vacation. So think about your habits and think about what may have changed to cause your bill to go up or down. Look, you know, try and figure out when it went down. What did you change that made it went down? All right. Second scenario is a little bit more nuanced. That's just a customer that has solar. I've been getting calls like this for almost 15 years where people say, gee, my electric bill used to be really low. I got an annual true-up statement, and it was really low. It was $300. Now, let's look at see what changed. Let's say that when they first installed the system, their true-up bill was $300 for 1,500 kilowatt hours. That meant that they didn't use 1,500 kilowatt hours. They still got billed for that. It was $300. Now, if you put solar in five years ago when the rates were 20 cents a kilowatt hour, your true up bill would have been $300. 1500 times 20 cents a kilowatt hour, $300. But now the rates are 40 cents a kilowatt hour. So even if you didn't change anything, your true up bill has doubled. It's not because the solar's not working. It's because all the other electricity costs have gone up. Now, sometimes these true ups also go up because you increase your consumption. I had a customer talking to last couple of weeks. They said, something's wrong with the solar. My bill went through the roof. We looked at the graphs from the utility. We looked at the power that the solar was producing also graphically. We've got really good data on that. And it was really clear that what was happening was kids were home during the summer 
and that hadn't been home before, and they're using a lot of power. So when you're looking at your true-up building, you want to see if the solar is working or not, here's what you have to do. You have to add the kilowatt hours generated by the solar, which you can see on your monitoring system, or if you don't have monitoring, you record the, the kilowatt hour numbers on the inverter, and then you add that to the kilowatt hours you purchase from your utility. In other words, the amount of power, the amount of energy your house is using is what the utility bills you for, plus what the solar is generating. That's what you're using. So if your true-up goes up because your consumption increases, say from kids home from school or maybe you just got a, a new EV, that's why your bill goes up. All right, I like solutions to problems. We've talked about ways to analyze a problem. Let's now first find some solutions. Now, of course, solar's almost always going to be good, but let's look at other ways to reduce your power costs. You look at that graph of your consumption from the utility, and then you can kind of say, all right, what did I do that's causing these high consumption numbers? Now, coming back to that discussion of solar plus the utility power, even get a big benefit from battery storage. So I really like to look at the graphs that you get that model the home energy consumption, and we can monitor that with a battery storage system. They put in a nice monitoring system. You can actually see exactly what's happening. You don't have to add the utility power to the solar power. You can actually see it graphically. It's really, really cool. All right. Now, if you don't have that, if you want to kind of wing it a little bit, another thing that I strongly suggest, I've been suggesting this for almost 20 years, there's something called a kilowatt meter. It's this little thing. It's like the size of a, an old-fashioned cell phone. It plugs into the wall. It has a little LCD display. And you can see how much power an appliance is using. And you can also see how many kilowatt hours that appliance is using. So plug this meter into the wall. Buy one. It costs like 25 bucks. Unplug an appliance into the meter and see how much power it's going to use. See how much power your entertainment system is using. See how much power your microwave is using. See how much power... You know, other things you have around the house is using. I think you'll be surprised. And that's a really, really good way to find out the appliances that are sucking power out of your house. It's not going to work for your pool pump. It's not going to work for your central air conditioner. But it does work for lots and lots of little things you may have plugged in around the house. Okay, now, we talked about seeing where your consumption is high, what's causing it, what are some of the high months, low months, looking at your graphical utility bill, combining that with what you can get from your solar and battery storage graphs. Now let's track down some of the problem areas. Now I just kind of, I've been doing some recollections here over the last 20 years, and here's some of the things I remember that I found at customer sites who are complaining about really, really high electric bills. All right. Here's one. It took me a while to track it down. They had a, a defective air conditioning compressor motor. Their electric bill went through this roof on the summer. I got a call in like two months. Come out. Our solar's not working because our electric bill went through the roof. I went out there. Solar was working fine. Turned on the air conditioner, and I just heard a humming from the compressor outside. That's that big box-like item with a fan on the top. You know, it should be humming along, should make noise, the fan should be going, and it should be sending coolant around. What would happen is the compressor, something went wrong inside the compressor or the motor, and the motor basically wasn't turning the compressor. Sometimes what could happen is the compressor still would work, it would just draw a lot of current. So that's what happened. They called their HVAC person, the person came out, said, yeah, you had a dead compressor, they replaced that unit, and then they were happy. Now, speaking of air conditioning, just keeping the house very cool uses a lot of power. It's probably the single biggest power consumer in the house. It's got the biggest motor. So what can you do about that? Well, if you're in a hot area, you, you want to kind of live a happy, comfortable life. And there's some places around the country where you just absolutely need the air conditioner. Setback thermostat is really good. So make sure 
that when you're in the house, you have this temperature set at a comfortable level. And when you're away at work, you basically let the temperature in the house go up. I mean, heck, I remember in the Jimmy Carter days, the suggestion was to set the air conditioning temperature at 80 degrees in the summer. Now, some people may say, gee, 80 degrees is too hot. Maybe they want to set it at 78 or 76. But you, know, you really can save a lot of money by increasing the temperature that the air conditioner is set at because it's just going to run less. Now, what we do is when we're away from the house, let's say we go away on the weekends, we turn the system completely off. Yeah, you know, and that's going to save a little bit. If you have a really, really big house, it might take time to cool it down again. What we do is when we're on the way home, you know, we're maybe a, a half hour or an hour away, we have a nice little remote control thermostat in the car, say, okay, start cooling the house down to 78 degrees. So that when we get there, and it might be 95 degrees outside, when we get there, the house will be like a comfortable 80 degrees or 78 degrees. That's a, another kind of interesting thing is, when it's 95 degrees outside, 80 is pretty darn cool inside the house. So you kind of even get away with higher temperatures there. Okay. Talked about air conditioning. What about heating? Now, most people have gas heat. That's what I have in my house. And you might wonder why the electric bill is so high in the winter. Because you're using gas for heat. The reason is the heat is running. The furnace is running to keep that house warm. The fan in the furnace is usually about a three-quarter horsepower motor. That's about 420 watts. And you got to remember, there's also usually an exhaust fan that's running for the combustion chamber. That might be another quarter horsepower. Well, let's just look at the, the three-quarter horsepower motor. If that furnace is running for 10 hours a day, in a, on a cold day, it's cycling. It's not running constantly. It might go, you know, it might go on for half an hour every hour or every other 15 minutes and see how that works. But if it's running for 10 hours a day cycling, boom, that's another $50 a month for electricity. And when it's really, really cold out, that furnace may run a lot more. So you're spending zero money for heating in the summer, but you could be spending more than you expect on heating in the winter. And when I kind of look at our, our electric bill in the winter, Yes, we're using some lighting. Most of it's LED now, but most of the consumption in our house is really for running the natural gas furnace. Okay, and we actually have two natural gas furnaces because we've, you know, we've got another section of the house that's got its own furnace. So you've got two furnaces running. That's 100 bucks a month right there. Okay. All right, we talked about air conditioning. We talked about heating. What about some of the pleasures of life? A pool pump. Now, pool pumps are another big energy consumer. It kind of sneaks up on you. Now, you think about it. Most people have a pool guy to keep their pool clean. And the pool guy's job is to make sure that the pool stays really clean. He's going to run the filter, and then he's also going to run the pool cleaning pump. Usually there's two different pumps. And the cleaner the pool is, the happier you're going to be as a customer, and the better a job that your pool guy's going to do. But your pool guy doesn't pay your electric bills. He's not really going to care that much about cutting your pool electricity costs down. He just wants to keep your pool as clean as it can be, extra clean. So what you can do, there's two things. First, you can minimize the number of hours that your filter and cleaner pumps run. A lot of people have a very simple mechanical timer. You can go into that timer. It's kind of easy to change. Bigger systems, newer systems may have some kind of electronic controls. And you can also have your pool guy to program it. Talk to your pool guy when he's there and say, hey, I want to cut back the time that these things are running by an hour or two or maybe you know a day and see. You probably don't need it to run it six hours a day. Maybe you can get away with four hours a day. You're going to save 33% on your pool electric bill. Now, the second thing you can do 
Really important. If you're on a time of use rate, which pretty much most solar customers are on, you want to set your pool pumps to run during off-peak or partial peak times. They can run completely off-peak on weekends and at night. You may not want them running because they might make noise, but then you can run them during partial peak times, or weekends are usually also partial peak or off-peak. Don't run the pool pump during peak times. So currently on some of the California rates, peak electricity times are 3 to 8 p.m. or 4 to 9 p.m., make sure you're running your pool pumps not during those times. Now, you may want to be running your pool pump during the day if you have a pool heating system. So if you have solar pool heating panels, you want to kind of be running those pumps, say, between 10 and 2. That's also not peak currently in California. That's a partial peak time. Okay. Now, let's look at let's look at other things happen with the family. When my daughter was home from college, her electric bill at the house almost doubled. She was home a lot. She used more heat. She used more lights. She was watching TV. She had games going. Now, we obviously miss her now that she's back in school, but her electric bill is way down. So, you know, some, some good, some bad there. All right. Perhaps the biggest power hogs in a house, and this is something that's easy to do something about, are old refrigerators. Almost everybody does this. They take the old refrigerator, they put it in the garage. They may take two refrigerators and put it in the garage. Heck, at one point, I had an old freezer, an old refrigerator, and a wine cooler in the garage. (laughs) Didn't have room for my cars, but I was saving this old equipment. Now, it may not make economic sense for you if you have a refrigerator that's fairly new, say, you know, 10 years old or so, to just go out and buy a brand new energy efficient fridge. Um, But it almost definitely doesn't make sense to keep a really old inefficient fridge full of food and running in the garage or the basement. It's kind of really interesting data here. In 1972, the average refrigerator energy consumption was 2,500 kilowatt hours a year. The energy consumption of a new fridge is 500 kilowatt hours a year. The the power consumption of a fridge, energy consumption of a fridge, went down by a factor of five from 72 to 2018. I think I'm crazy. I'm thinking back to my parents, my mother. She still has a fridge from the 50s. Actually, that one might have been pretty efficient because they were were a lot smaller then. But think about these new fridges. The new fridges are bigger. They maintain temperatures better. They have different compartments for different types of foods. They have dispensers and things like that, a lot more convenient features. So that really, really is going to save by using a more efficient fridge. And speaking of fridges, also make sure that you're not kind of killing yourself with a wine cooler. So we talked about these big energy hogs. The other one is what I call vampire loads. Every single one of those little things that you have plugged into the wall is using a little bit of power. I counted around my house. I had 20 items, each of which on the average was using five watts of standby power, coffee makers, an electric toothbrush, cordless vacuum, phone chargers, printers, entertainment systems, 20 items, 100 watts total, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. At my peak rate of 40 cents a kilowatt hour, I was spending $350 a year from all these goofy little gadgets. So unplug them if you can, or get a remote control power strip. Now, talk about lighting. I think it's pretty much a no-brainer to change out all your incandescent and halogen lights to LEDs. Use LEDs. Don't believe what's on the box of those old-fashioned light bulbs that says they're halogen more efficient. They're not nearly as efficient as LEDs. And also consider changing out your outdoor lighting system. Because those outdoor lighting systems typically are running for four hours or so, six hours a night. 
and they're using low-voltage halogen bulbs, which use a lot of power. Now, next thing, I kind of find this in big houses. There's some luxuries that people, especially people in big houses, have a hard time to do without. They're using a lot of power. Here's examples. Built-in music systems. Sonus has a really cool built-in music system. These things are running 24-7. They have several hundred watts. They have self-powered speakers and remote controllers. They're all using power. Lutron lighting systems. Nice to have convenient lighting controls, but these things also draw a lot of power. Entertainment systems. You might have multiple entertainment systems. Living room, den, bedroom. These things are all running, and I've seen customers that have media rooms with a projection TV that's sucking 500 watts all the time. They might use that room once a week. Old servers and routers humming away in a data closet. I know it's sometimes easier not to mess with your computer hardware to fix it, but it's definitely going to add up. An easy way to see if these items in your electronics or your media cabinet are using a lot of power is open up the cabinet. See if it's warm inside. If it's kind of warm in there, if there's a fan cooling that room, basically you're using a lot of electricity on the devices in there, and then try and figure out what you can do to reduce it. Okay, to wrap up, there's a lot you can do about high electric bills. Homes that use the most power usually have a lot of equipment running 24-7. It's behind the walls. It's in cabinets. It's plugged into places that you don't even know about. That's what's sucking the power. And businesses can also do a lot to reduce the lighting, HVAC, and equipment costs. And obviously, solar is easy to install and often has the fastest payback. But also, you know, look and see what you're using and, and cut that back first. All right, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcast. 